Welcome to a new edition of the Pastors Podcast. It's been a while. I apologize. It's been over a year since I've added any episodes, but uh, what a way to come back. And uh, today my guest is John Brown, who is absolutely no stranger to you if you've been following these podcasts. John sat down with me a couple of years ago when we discussed the idea of hearing God clearly for ourselves. And to this day, those remain some of the most downloadable episodes of the Pastors Podcast. And I hope that trend continues. And I hope that this next series of podcasts, as I sit with John, will accomplish the same thing. Um, I invite John again because, well, he's a pastor to my heart. Uh, He'll say that I am his pastor, which is true, but it works both ways, I assure you. And I, I would venture to say I got the better end of that deal. I often think of the text in the Gospel of John where um, John wrote about John the Immerser when he said there came a man sent from God whose name was John. And I know that's talking about John the Baptizer, but um, for my purposes, it works out the very same. John came to be my friend and mentor in ministry way back in the year 2000 when I was the pastor of the New River Community Church. And the Lord sent John just ahead of a season of crisis in our fellowship. And the Lord knew that we needed him and his ministry to us for such a time as that. He has remained my ever faithful friend for these past 18 years. (laughs) Welcome again, John, my brother. It's my joy to be with you, Scott. It blesses me to... uh to hear you, and to be with you. Well, it does me. I I get the great joy of sitting with you in these conversations, and who knows how many of these uh, podcasts we'll be sitting down together to do. uh, uh, We're looking at a topic, uh, we're calling it, for lack of a better title right now, Spiritual Realities. And um, we'll, we'll dig more into that in a, in a few moments. But uh, I was reading recently, William Barclay was a uh, renowned theologian, and he once wrote, there are two great days in a person's life, the day that we're born and the day we discover why. And I, I believe that I discovered my own personal mission statement a number of years ago when, uh, when I was reading in... Uh, the Gospel of John, I believe it was, but uh, it was it was actually the story of uh, John the Baptizer coming into the world and uh, his father Zechariah and and being in the temple and and performing his priestly duties. But um, the the word that the angel gave to Zechariah about this son who was to be born was that he will be a son who will make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And uh, that, is, that has actually been the, the, the cry of my heart in these later years of my ministry life. I'm not yet 60, but I'm looking at 60. I'm a lot closer to 60 than I am to, four, uh, four, well, certainly 40, but 50. But uh, I like where I am. I like that I'm in a place where I, I am in later years of ministry and I feel like I can be more of a spiritual father uh, in my role, much as what John has been to myself. And um, 
rather than going quietly into that good night, I, I want my life to, to matter and count for the purpose of making ready for the Lord, a people prepared. And I, I just can't get that phrase out of my mind. And I believe that this next set of podcasts are going to accomplish just that. So again, I'm very thankful that John is going to join me and, uh, this we're going to have some conversations they might sometimes get a bit uncomfortable or uh challenging for sure but conversations about the church in the west particularly the american church uh, as i see where she has fallen prey to certain deceptions um but rather than just bash on her i i hope that we can um bring some light some uh, some solutions, and certainly hope if we all have ears to hear. So, John, do you want to um, kind of introduce what's on your heart and what we're going to be talking about in the next few episodes? Whatever's on your heart, really. I think uh, whenever you and I get together, we recognize that we do have kindred spirits. Mm. That is, we have similar callings. Uh, our love for the church, the bride of Christ, uh, is alike. Uh, I also want to see a people prepared. I want to see the reality of a people who are manifesting this other life, yeah. the life of Christ, uh, the divine nature. And uh, I really believe that the truth to those who have ears to hear. Amen. We'll be talking about that a bit, but to those who have ears to hear, there's a hunger for reality. Yeah. There's a hunger for uh, the revealing of the sons and daughters of God who mm. have believed to the uttermost. Yes. That uh, we will not have to tell others that we are like Christ Christians and try to convince them with our words, but they will be able to see by our lives mm. that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives. That's our heart. I Good think that's word. why we were drawn together. Yes, yes. I say amen to to all of that. And um, we've got a lot of ground to cover. We're going to mostly be relying, well, we're going to be fully relying on the Holy Spirit to guide our conversation. But it sure helps to have some notes in front of us. And uh, John, you have been... Um, very, very uh, uh, deliberate about your uh, putting down in notes what's on your heart. And as I've shared with you, don't feel limited to these notes because I want our listeners to know that um, they're good notes and I will probably be posting them on the blog site so that they can be used for future study. And uh, I think they'll you'll find them to be very beneficial. But... Uh, John would be the first one to say that he wants to rely fully on the Holy Spirit to guide the conversation, and uh, that's what I want to encourage him to do. But, but in this opening introduction to our topic, spiritual realities, um, walking in truth, uh, whatever it, it, it turns into, that is, that is the core message, that is the heart of, of our discussion. Um, 
But I, I see here a list of, of six things, maybe seven, that uh, you have written down that uh, demonstrate to us uh, these, are, these are areas of deception. These are things that are um, leading the American church away from the truth. And um, they're very challenging. And as I read down through the list, I, I actually even question my own heart. Lord, is this me? Uh, kind of like the disciples in that upper room. Lord, is it I? Is it I? Um, speaking of which, we're, we're actually beginning this recording on the Friday of Holy Week. And uh, we know that our Lord Christ went to the cross on this day 2,000 years ago. And um, he, he did that work on the cross to, to purchase a whole lot more than what we see sometimes visibly with our eyes when it comes to the church in the West or when it comes to when I look at myself in the mirror. I, I, so I ask that question, Lord, in these, these deceptions, am, am I being deceived? Am I um, settling for less than what you died for and what you rose for in your resurrection. So let me just uh, uh, read these, John, and uh, I want I want you to comment them as you feel led. Comment on them as you feel led. The first uh, uh, deception, the first reality of where the Western Church finds herself is that she believes that she has a faith. And yet there's almost no obedience of that faith to what our Lord has commandment, what the Lord has commanded. Uh, the reality is that most are unaware that faith has two parts to be a living faith. John, will you comment a bit on that one? Yes. Um, we've, we've called this spiritual realities because there is a difference between the spirit realm and the natural realm. Now Adam was birthed from the spiritual realm and uh, it wasn't until he uh, put himself on the throne of his own heart mm. that his, the spiritual realm was cut off in that he died spiritually. And so you and I have been raised, and everyone since Adam, have been birthed into primarily the natural realm. We've not found uh, a kinship, a, a naturalness to the reality of the spiritual realm. But the spiritual realm is the greater of the realms. Mm -hmm. It existed before the created realm. And this issue of faith we have had difficulty thinking outside of our heads. In the natural realm, the mind of the head, that is the natural mind, which was given to us because we were given a, a, a tent, a natural body. Yes. But in the spirit realm, there is a, another mind. It's called the heart. It's with the heart that man believes. Mm. And we have had difficulty and the enemy's been very busy keeping us deceived here. Yes. That belief to us is primarily a cognizant thing. It's it's something to hold as knowledge in the head. Yeah. 
its doctrines and teachings and concepts. Mm -hmm. But in the spiritual realm, there's another believer. It's called the heart. And when Adam died, his heart, it's like it was frozen. Ezekiel said it was of stone. Yes. And that stone cannot hear or see Mm. unless it is enabled by the spirit to be reborn. Well, this woman, the church, uh, believes that she has faith. But what on the whole she has is intellectual agreement with certain concepts and truths. The problem with it being a thing of the head is that the head does not rule our life. If we've been born again in particular, we are governed by our inward man. And if our inward man does not believe, we can say we believe one thing with our head, but our feet and our hands and our life express quite the opposite. There's no reality, no connection between reality and the truth of what we say we believe. And we're living in an age where deception is increasing. It's it's a frightful thing, but you can't watch the news You can't listen to the radio. You cannot just recognize in conversations that the world is in tremendous deception. Yes. It's gone crazy, it would seem. Well, at the end of the age, in the book of Thessalonians, chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, it's very clear there are two characteristics that precede the coming of Christ. Mm. One is the revealing of the lawless one, the man of deception, and a great falling away. Yeah. Well, obviously, the falling away is linked to the deception. But the Holy Spirit reveals through Paul to the church at Thessalonica that the deception at the end of the age, so increases Mm. and rules over those who would not receive a love for the truth. Mm. So if there is a falling away from truth, it's because there's a lack of love for the truth. And deception is quickly uh, received. The frightful thing about that text in 2 Thessalonians is that at the end of the age because they would not receive and we have a heavenly father that wants to give us a love for the truth but because we would not receive it it says the father himself joins the lawless one and gives them over to deception he and he himself sends a deceiving spirit let me read that text uh, it's it's so vital we hear it second thessalonians 2 and I'm starting in verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is by the active activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, verse 11, God sends them a strong delusion so that 
they may believe what is false. Wow, there's a lot to unpack in that passage, isn't there? Yes, that is frightening. That is, to me, the most frightening verse in all of the Bible, that God himself sends upon, in this case, it's the church. This is written to the church. That's right. The falling away is not falling away from the world. It's a falling away from the kingdom. Oh, my. And they fall away from the kingdom because they would not receive. We find in both the New King James and the uh, New American Standard, and I believe in Young's, that there is a receiving. They would not receive a love for the truth. That's exactly right. It's uh, it's decamai in the Greek, and it's in the middle uh, voice, which which they would he would not receive for himself. Yes, a love for the truth for himself. Yes. Well, not just generally for the church, but as truth as as truth confronts me about a topic. Yes. If I don't immediately receive welcome that it's lost it is lost and i see that's where the american church is at i see we're at a place where we are in so much deception Mm. deception is throughout it isn't that there aren't the uh genuine those who have a love Mm -hmm. and who are not and who are obedient to that love But on the whole, what the world is seeing is a people that's just like them. And uh, as the world is deceived, much of the church is deceived. And uh, I see the first place she's deceived is that she believes she believes. She's she's like the Laodicean church. She believes that she's rich and all right and healthy. Uh, But as I see it, and I believe there are are those who are listening who recognize and bear witness in their spirits that what we are saying is true, that deception runs throughout the church. And the first place that we are deceived is that we think that we believe. And it's no more than intellectual assent, but it's a dead faith. There's no obedience. There's the word. Well, the second um, reality, and and we're going to go back and cover these, and uh, but but just for the sake of reading the list, number two, um, this deceived church, uh, she believes in a gospel that says she's saved because she accepts that Jesus died and atoned for her sins, and yet her reality is that she has never truly repented of the sin, emphasis on the the definite article, that is ruling and reigning over her own life. What about that one, John? Well, you've noted it in my notes that I highlight the sin. Mm. Uh, Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom and calling men and women to repent. We have been given the gospel of salvation which is good news. It's the beginning place. It's the first importance. Mm -hmm. But Jesus never, ever preached uh, the death, burial, and resurrection until the last two or three weeks of his life. That's right. He preached a different gospel. It was the gospel of the kingdom. And though in the end, 
You know, that is his ministry ended with preaching this other gospel, death, burial, and resurrection. That uh, there was a need for our atonement and there was a need for our being forgiven and there was a need for our new birth. Mm -hmm. But the provisions for that did not come until the very end of his life. And so he didn't preach it until the end. And Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, 10 says, this is of first importance, death, burial, and resurrection. Yes. And it's provision of justification, atonement. Yes. But also Paul in, in Romans says, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, much more having been reconciled, we shall be, future tense, saved by his life. By his life. Many believe they are saved by having been reconciled, but they've yet to discover this other life. Mm to which they've been saved. And that's all about the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the reign. Yes. The reign, the kingdom is at hand. The reign is here. And Jesus was the first normal man as God intended man to be. Yeah. Jesus allowed the Father to reign on his heart. He did nothing on his own initiative. Yeah, I've heard you put it this way, that there is both a three-year work of Christ and a three-day work of Christ. And that has always stuck with me. Uh, maybe you want to elaborate a little bit more on that. Yes, of course, the three-day work, we're, we're celebrating Good Friday. Mm -hmm. And by the way, uh, when you mentioned it earlier, it came to my mind. Uh, several things took place on Good Friday. Mm. One of the things that took place is that 12 men who had spent three and a half years, three to three and a half years with Jesus, discovered they did not have it in them to be faithful. Yes. Well, the truth is, it wasn't until after the cross that they received a new, a new spirit. Glory. Mm. Jesus breathed on them also to receive the Holy Spirit. Mm. And in receiving the Holy Spirit, they now were empowered, as Ezekiel 36 says, down around verse 27, they now are empowered to do those things that please him, to observe uh, what is on his heart. And it wasn't until after the cross that they were able to walk in faithfulness. And the truth is, uh, with the exception of Judas, and of course he killed himself, but the, all the others were martyred. Yes. Possibly John mm -hmm. maybe was not martyred. Uh, we do not have evidence of that, but uh, they were martyred. They would not deny. They could no longer uh, abandon him. They had a new life. Well, it's this new life. It's this reality of what they found in Christ after the cross. Glory, yes. That has been lost to much of the church. Mm. Most do not seem to be able to uh, live even a good man life. The church today is aborting its babies at the same rate the world is aborting its babies. Divorcing, Divorcing their husbands and wives at the yes. same rate the world is. Yes. And uh, there's no distinction. Mm. It's because we see no distinction in truth. We talk about something different, but it's not reality to us. Mm. Now, there are exceptions, of course, but the rule today is that the church is not in a healthy place. Yes. So the three-day work, we're... we're, we're on his death, his burial, and resurrection. It, it is on those that, that we can enter into the kingdom. We, we cannot enter the kingdom without that work of Christ. 
but he saved us for so much more. Yes, the three-day work is to, uh, and it's of first importance because we're lost. We're dead Amen. without Christ. That's right. But in the new birth, that's where the three and a half years work comes in. Yes. Jesus spent three and a half years teaching us and showing us how to live this other life. Yes. Jesus no longer, after, after his ministry began, uh, and uh, with the signs and wonders, of, it began, of course, at uh, the wedding at Cana. <laughs> But, uh, his mother called him out. Yes, his mother called him out. And it began there. Well, his mother obviously knew that uh, he was living by a different life already. Yes. But Jesus spent three and a half years showing us what man was intended to look like and how he was to live. And he taught and showed us what this other life was like. And then he said in John 6, he says, As I have lived by the Father... So you are to live by me. His intent was to show us how to live this other life, not our life. Amen. He who would save his life will lose it, our Lord said, but he who will lose his life. My Father in heaven isn't wanting me to live the John Brown life. Right. My Father in heaven wants me to live a life that when others look at me, they will say, isn't Jesus wonderful? Oh, praise God. Not because John is imitating Jesus. Yes. But because John would have died to John, that Jesus, the Christ life, yes. my head, his heart, mm-hmm. might take over. Mm-hmm. That was the purpose of the three and a half years. Beautiful. The third deception that you have marked down here is that uh, she says that she believes in parentheses, has faith and claims that she has been born again and is a new creature in Christ. The reality that this is, is that this is just a pretense without any reality in the present. She dare not say to her family and friends, she's no longer of Adam's race. And you have a scripture here with that, Romans 6, 4, and 5. You actually have scriptures with each of these points. And again, these will go in the notes on the, on the website. Uh, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, hallelujah, so we too might walk in, there it is, newness of life, that life Christ lived to show us what that other life looks like. Yes. We will say that we believe that, Mm -hmm. but the life that we are showing does not look like that. Mm. In most cases, it it continues to look like the old life. Or we may go to church now and we may give uh, to the offering and possibly even grow to the tithe. Uh, But on the whole, we even when we talk about taking up the offering, it's like we're giving God something. Oh, isn't that the truth? And it's sad because uh, now that we have been purchased and are bondservants of our Lord, and sons of God, uh, we're about our Father's business. Uh, the question should be, uh, Lord, how much of this would you have me use for myself and my family? Instead, we think we're giving him something. <laughs> when it all belongs to him, it's all his it's, it's this other life. It is uh, the new creature in Christ. 
the world is waiting to see, and I'm, I'm believing that there are many in the church who are wanting someone to disciple them to this other life. And I do too. I, I, I'm looking for the day when uh, we quit building churches. Yes. And let our Lord build the church. Yes. And give ourselves to making disciples. Oh, John. To Jesus. Mm-hmm. Introducing them to the one that if they will be with them, he said, I will make you. Yes. And it's this being made into what he's created us to be. That is what's on my heart, and I believe it's on his heart. And I believe that if, and I know there will be a remnant, I would love for everyone who might hear this would be a part of the remnant, but unless there is an awakening, Mm -hmm. much of the American church is going to discover she's outside the gate Mm -hmm. and can't get in. I pray that the Lord will direct you to speak more about that, and I have every confidence that he will. Um, The fourth uh, deception, which is (laughs) the church's reality, but it is not reality. She says that her old man was buried with Christ and is no longer alive. The truth of the matter is she continues to live as the old man, as the old man, and is just as we've heard it said so many times, a sinner, just a sinner saved by grace. Yes, I hear that all the time too. I even hear it from the pulpit. Yeah. I am not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner. I was saved by grace. And in the process, he buried that old John Brown that sinned. Mm. Now he left me with John Brown's old body. Yes. And he left me with John Brown's old hard drive mind. Mm -hmm. But he's given to me the responsibility of renewing my mind, Mm -hmm. putting on the mind of Christ, letting Christ take over my life. That is our responsibility, isn't it, It John? It is. Put on the mind of Christ. Yes. And uh, we need to be about that, Mm -hmm. Uh, putting on the mind. Mm Mm-hmm. For the record, John is not saying uh, preaching sinless perfection, um, but but it is true. I was a sinner. I have been saved by grace. I'm a saint. I do sin. Well, it's no longer I who sins. That's right. That's I got the wrong I there. Yes. Yes. The, and the matter of pronouns is very important. You can read the in Romans chapter seven. Paul is bouncing back and forth. With several different eyes, you have to read into it which eye is he talking about? The eye who no longer live or the eye who would reign? Yes. There is is in my mind, unregenerated, unrenewed, Mm -hmm. uh, and in my flesh with its appetites that I inherited from the old John Brown. Yes. uh, And Paul makes it very clear in Romans 7, it it is not I who sin, but sin that dwells in this flesh. Mm. Well, this flesh is going to be replaced. Say, say that again. It is not I who sin. Say that again. It is that... not I who sin, sins, but it is sin that dwells in my flesh. And this flesh is going to pass, and it's not me. The me is this new spirit, the rebirth yes. of a new John Brown. Yes. 
And the text here in my notes makes it very clear. Our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin. So when I lapse into my old thinking, Mm -hmm. not listening to the spirit and my Mm -hmm. heart, Mm Uh, my heart is the mind of the new John Brown. We hopefully, we'll get a chance yes. to talk about that later. But uh, the uh, old John Brown, my flesh mm-hmm. and its appetites, I may uh, lapse into uh, uh, my in my thinking and may sin. And there's provision made for that. I can confess my sin. Well, what am I confessing? Well, I'm confessing that the new John Brown allowed the appetites of the old John Brown to slip back in. Important distinction, yes. But it's not I mm-hmm. who sins. Mm-hmm. But it's, sins that, it's sin that dwells in my flesh. Yes. Uh, so I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner. And that was has been buried. Oh, praise God. That man has been buried. Either that or our Lord... Is a poor storyteller. Yeah. yeah. But he's not. No. He's not. No. The church needs to buy truth here. We need we need to come into spiritual reality of who we are mm. in Christ. Well, we're close to thirty five minutes on this particular episode, so let me say these last couple of uh, deceptions that are very important. Number five. She says that she's in love with the Lord, and yet there's almost no obedience. Though our Lord has said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The reality is that she's not even aware that her Lord has left her commandments to be observed. And I'm looking at you right now, and I'm I'm seeing you full of responses. This, This will probably take a whole episode in and itself. Uh, as all of these will, but um, just just give a moment clarity to that uh, that thinking. There. Well, most have never heard. I I have never heard a preacher or teacher teach that our Lord left some commandments. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the the, the uh, Ten Commandments, uh, the commandments of the ceremonial law. Our Lord left some commandments to be observed. Yes. And they differ yeah. from those that were given. Mm. They obviously will touch on all of the others in terms of enabling us to live this other life. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are commandments that our Lord left. And those commandments really are the enablement, keeping them. If we love him, we will keep them. Our love for him will be because we recognize that in those commandments is the enabling grace to live this other life. Oh, yes. I'm hoping we do have time to talk uh, about this. We will this definitely someday. take time. For How that. do we live this other life? Yeah. Well, there's grace for this other life, and the kiss that enables it is obedience. Is obedience. Yes, yes. And 1 John 5 tells us his commandments are not burdensome. No. Because of that grace you're talking about. His empowering grace. Going back to Ezekiel 36 text, I will put this new heart in you. I'll put my spirit in you and I will cause you to obey. Yes. It's his life in me. 
Praise the Lord. Number six, she has an unwillingness to purchase the truth concerning her condition. She believes there is no cost to her in order to be saved. Yes, faith, that is of the heart, comes by hearing. Mm -hmm. And in that hearing, the receiving of faith, there comes with it the enabling grace to obey But if she believes that this life, this salvation, is costless to her and she hears an obedience to be kept, it seems to contradict. Yeah. She believes she can get by without obedience. Mm -hmm. She hasn't discovered that truth costs. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Holy Spirit reveals uh, in the Word, in Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and sell it not. Mm-hmm. Also, wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Mm-hmm. It costs. Truth costs. And what it costs is the old self. Yeah. What it costs is the old life. And he's called us to a whole new life. And the cost is obedience. But that obedience is a hug. It's a kiss. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an expression of our love for him. And with his response to our love is the enabling grace to live this other life. It's better for us if we are confronted with truth to respond to it, to welcome it in that moment. Because if we don't, it will come back around to us again, but the price will be inflated. Yes. It will will even be more costly. Truth is that way. Yeah. Yeah. You have a beautiful word picture that goes along with that, but... We're going to sign off on this particular episode, but do not go away because we are not done, not even close to done. We will go back over these realities or false realities that the church has embraced. And um, we will, as I mentioned earlier, hopefully provide some, some good news because the gospel is good news. 